Oh man, I was pissed off. Dude, if you can't step it up for the postseason, your ass can sit on the bench. Major League Baseball is just becoming so much of a joke. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the Slightly Sideways Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your host, Koenig, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Corbin. Say hello to the people, Corbin. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in for our Cinco episode of Slightly Sideways. Yes, episode numero cinco. Ole. <laughs> but before we get into the show, we do like to have a few drinks while we do the show. It keeps everything light. It keeps us brutally honest at times. It kind of loosens us up a little bit. So tonight, in a San Diego State glass, I'm going with the Aztecs glass, I've got Ziggy Zoggy Summer Lager out of Silver City Brewery in Bremerton, Washington. It's very, very light, refreshing summer drink. Corbin, what do you have on your end? So on my end here, I'm going a little Dutch for this week. I'm actually going with Heineken in honor of one of our topics today, Mr. Tom Brenneman, the broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds. So Heineken in honor of Brenneman. I'm not sure where you're going with that. Yeah, so I'm drinking Heineken because Tom Brenneman is about to get his Heine canned. Ah, you see what I did there? I, I do see what you did there. I do. So we will get into that, and we do have a very edgy show. If you thought our show was a little edgy last week, you're in for a special treat this week. It's going to be a little more of the same. We have the never-ending drama that is Major League Baseball, of course. When do we not? We have a wrap-up of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. What else do we have on tap for the people tonight, Corbin? We're also going to be going into a little bit of college football. There's a big story from a big SEC coach that has kind of created some stir in the news this past week. And as always, we'll be ending the show with the unknown section. This week, I will be in charge of the unknown. So stick around so you guys can all see Koenig go through the unknown. But before we get into the topics, if you haven't already, give us a follow on our social medias. On Twitter, you can find us at Slightly Sideway. If you're on Facebook, you can follow our page at Slightly Sideways Podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes, you can email our show at slightlysidewayspod at gmail.com. And if you're on YouTube, you can find our YouTube page, Slightly Sideways Podcast, with all of our on-demand videos coming to the channel very soon. Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and just jump right into the deep end of the pool. Probably our two hottest topics. We're just going to go ahead and lead off, no pun intended, ah, <laughs> with baseball. One of the biggest stories of this past week was a situation that had transpired between Tatis Jr., a fine, fine shortstop for the San Diego Padres, and the Texas Rangers. Koenig, do you want to go ahead and give us a little synopsis of what happened? I know you've been very heated about this topic all week, so we're going to unleash Koenig here. He's going to run wild on this topic. Before we get into our thoughts on this, let's just kind of give the backstory for the folks who haven't heard of the story yet. I'll give you some background. The Padres are up 10-3 to in the eighth inning against the Rangers at Globe Life Field in Arlington. You have Juan Nicasio on the mound. He's fallen behind 3-0 to Fernando Tatis Jr. after walking the previous two batters. Nicasio comes in with a 92-mile-an-hour BP fastball, and Fernando Tatis Jr. hits an absolute rocket into the chairs and right field for his first career Grand Slam. Very important, his first ever career slam. Nicasio is then replaced by Ian Gabo, who then promptly throws his pitch behind Manny Machado, the very next batter, seemingly in retaliation for scoring runs, apparently. 
Then after the game, we have Chris Woodward, the manager of the Rangers, speaking out and saying, quote, you're up by seven in the eighth inning. It's typically not a good time to swing three and O, end quote. You also have the Padres manager, Jace Tingler, had something to say on this topic. He said, quote, a lot of our guys have green light 3-0, and but in this game in particular, we had a comfortable lead. We're not trying to run up the score or anything like that, end quote. Tatis Jr. ultimately issued his own kind of apology on the issue, saying, quote, I know a lot of unwritten rules. I was kind of lost on this one. Those experiences you have to learn. Probably next time I'll take a pitch, end quote. Corbin, what do you make of all of this? I want to hear your reaction first because I am just so interested to see where you blow up on this because I know this is a boiling point for you. I have my opinion. I'm going to hold it to hear what you have to say. Go ahead and rant for the people. Let's hear it. So I kind of blasted this all over our Twitter this week. If you're not following us already, like I said before, at Slightly Sideway, you can follow us there. This is the most absurd story in all of sports in 2020, and we've had some insane stories so far this year. This is the craziest thing I have ever heard. This, And I know we discussed this topic in previous episodes on how Major League Baseball is having a difficult time appealing to a younger audience, and it's because of shit like this. This is ridiculous. Baseball is turning into a game for total softies where your feelings get hurt because the Rangers are a terrible, terrible team. And Chris Woodward sounds like a total dumbass in his post games. It's like, you don't want to give up grand slams, dude. You might not want to throw fastballs right down the middle to big league hitters, you know? And then on top of all that, you have Jace Tingler. And this is where this guy is a dope. Jace Tingler is a (laughs) moron. You have Tatis Jr. basically saying this guy missed a take sign and that they're not trying to run up the score. This is why the San Diego Padres are perennial losers. If I was in the Padres front office, Jace Tingler would be fired immediately. You have one of the most exciting players in all of Major League Baseball. Some people say he's the future face of the league. And you're having this kid apologize after hitting his first career Grand Slam. You think about that. When you're a kid playing in your backyard, you dream of these moments where you hit your first career Grand Slam. Fernando Tatis Jr., 21 years old, realized that dream, and he has to apologize in his post-game press conference? I was blown away. It's totally absurd. It's totally ridiculous. The thing that really just chaps my ass about this situation is again like you mentioned this pitcher had walked two straight guys to get the bases loaded and proceeded to throw three straight balls hate to break it to you for anyone who doesn't follow baseball but spoiler alert when there's a 3-0 count and the bases are loaded the pitcher is gonna try to throw a strike they're not gonna try to dilly dally by throwing curve balls or sliders anything that could slide out of the zone they're gonna throw a fastball down the middle of the plate so You're pretty much saying these unwritten rules, which, again, don't exist. They're unwritten. They're just these made-up rules that these old-timers have had for forever that they kind of have as guidelines, but, again, don't have any weight as far as the rules of the game. And, yeah, guess what? Everybody and their mother knew it was going to be a fastball down the middle, but you know how you avoid that? Throw strikes. Don't walk the bases loaded. Don't start off the at-bat with the guy with the bases loaded 3-0. Like, that's on you, okay? It's not It's not the guy's fault at the plate that he knows a fastball is coming in a 3-0 count with the bases loaded. So, 
you know what? Tough shit. He hit a grand slam. Guess what? Your team sucks and you got blown out. And you're pretty much saying, oh, well, take it easy on us. We don't want to lose by that much. It's, it doesn't show good sportsmanship to lose by a lot. Hate to break it to you. Baseball doesn't have a time constraint. So the fact that you're up by X amount of runs means nothing until the game is over. So I don't care if you've got a one run lead or if you've got a 10 run lead, it doesn't matter because until you get that final out, the game's not over. So the fact that they're saying, oh, well, you shouldn't try to beat us by that much essentially says like, well, you need to kind of give us a chance to get back into this game, which just blows my mind it's just ridiculous it kind of goes to my next point on the issue is the rangers still had an opportunity to bat in the eighth and ninth innings and they had the final at bat of the game batting in the bottom of the ninth of course and so you're telling me that seven runs is some kind of insurmountable lead against the padres a bullpen that consistently blows big leads with that bullpen And, like, that is a big lead to come back from, no doubt. But, like, there have been instances where it's not out of the question to see a 10-run inning or double-digit inning. Like, you just never know. So the fact that they're saying they put too many, you know, they put it ahead of where it should have been in that situation. Like, no, that's completely idiotic. And baseball is just turning into, like I said before, a game just for softies, just people that can't manage losing Let's say, for instance, let's have a hypothetical scenario. Let's say Tatis Jr. does take the 3-0 pitch, and he ends up not driving in those runs. And then the Rangers spark some miraculous comeback, and they end up winning the game. So you're saying that the winning team is supposed to stop playing so the trailing team can spark a miraculous comeback? Are they just supposed to stand at the plate with their bat on their shoulders for the rest of the game because you guys suck? That's ridiculous. And one thing, too, is... In baseball, it's all about staying hot and staying consistent. And as crazy as it sounds, it could take one bat at bat to throw a player's rhythm off and to go into a slump. And here Tatis is playing out of his mind, one of the best players in all of baseball, in my opinion, the most exciting player in baseball right now, bar none. And you're pretty much telling him like, oh, well, you know, just lay off, kind of go easy on us. And what really blows my mind, too, is like, okay, you're upset that he swung 3-0. What happens if you throw a strike 3-1 and then he hits a grand slam on 3-1? Are you still going to be mad because he swung 3-1? What, what, are you just supposed to load the count up for you and then have a competitive at bat? It's just, ah. It's so arbitrary. It's like these unwritten rules. They're so subjective. They're so arbitrary. And this is a phenomenon that doesn't exist in any other sport. In basketball, if you're winning by 30 points, are basketball players supposed to just dribble out the shot clock and not shoot so the other team can come back? Are football players just supposed to stop scoring touchdowns? Were the Colorado Avalanche supposed to stop scoring goals against Corbin's Coyotes in Game 4 <laughs> when they won 7-1? to one? This They is, won 7-1 to one in back-to-back games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it just goes to your point. This is why baseball is losing its appeal to younger audience is that It's so soft and it's so like, oh, let's just be, you know, good sport about it. And it's no Chris Woodward. You're a joke. Your team is a joke. You all suck. They give up four straight games with a grand slam to the slam Diego Padres. And that is incidental. (laughs) So the the, slam Diego. I love it. I love the slam Diego Padres. (laughs) <laughs> coming Rangers. from coming the location of Mount Crushmore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sorry if you're the Texas Rangers and you've given up a grand slam four straight games to the San Diego Padres. Um, you're probably not very fucking good. 
And I, what I really feel bad about, too, is you could tell that soon after that Grand Slam that Tatis' teammates had talked to him in the dugout because they were kind of showing him on camera. And he looked so defeated. Like, he was just so – like, he didn't want to be there. He looked so upset. Like, are you kidding me? I just hit a grand slam, and I've been tearing it up for our team, and you're coming to me telling me that I'm not doing this the right way? It's so, so crazy. These are the players that need to be supported. You're talking about a future face of the entire league. And that's what Fernando Tatis is. Everyone says Mike Trout, sure, Mike Trout, fine. I'll go that far for you. Mike Trout's fantastic. He's a phenomenal player. We all know this. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the future of baseball, and you're discouraging him from playing the game and playing hard and playing to win. Fuck that. No. Yeah. Yeah, here's a guy. He plays the sexiest position in baseball, shortstop. Five, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's everybody's favorite position. And you have a shortstop like him who can do everything, five-tool player. And to just kind of bottle him up or to tell him, hey, at times you need to reel it in. Oh, I, I, I just. I couldn't believe it. I'm almost at a loss for words. My only take on it is if I were to speak to Tatis directly, like, Dude, keep doing what you're doing. Play the way that you're playing. Hit as many Grand Slams as you can. And whatever counts that they're in, and whatever situations that they're in, don't listen to these old geezers. This is why baseball, again, is continuing to fall behind other sports. To the league's credit, they had a lot of players reach out on Twitter. Trevor Bauer reached out and said, hey, don't stop swinging in these certain counts. And the only thing that you should be apologizing for is the fact that you apologized. Don't do that. And that's good. It's nice to come from a, a fellow pitcher. And Trevor Bauer is an established starter in the league. So it's nice that it's coming from somebody who's on the mound. Right. You know, these unwritten rules, I'm sorry. I've had enough with the unwritten rules. Some of them, sure. But if you don't want to get the brakes beat off of you in your own ballpark, play better, dude. Play better. That's all it takes. You don't want to get embarrassed in front of your no fans. Play better. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Survival of the fittest, you know, especially in sports. If you're a bad team, you're going to get crushed. Guess what? Use it as motivation. Maybe the change is instead of hoping for another player and another team to take one for you guys, like, hey, go easy on us. Maybe the changes need to be in the dugout with the players that are on the field, with the manager, with the general manager, with the ownership. Clearly, if you're getting blown out consistently and you're upset about it because you suck, that's on you. Don't blame that on other players for playing the game that they're paid to do. He is doing his job that he gets paid to do. Right, for trying to win. Exactly. And let's not gloss over the fact we're going to go back in time. We're going to do some story time. Almost 13 years ago to the day, August 22nd, 2007, the Texas Rangers, yes, those Texas Rangers, went into Camden Yards and they beat the Baltimore Orioles 30-3. to Let me repeat that. 3-0 to 3, which included 16 total runs scored by the Rangers in the last two innings. The Rangers were ahead in the eighth inning of that game, 14-3, to which, by their logic, they probably should have stopped scoring. But instead, they went on and scored 16 more runs over the final two innings before that game mercifully concluded. So all of these unwritten rules are so arbitrary, they're so subjective, and they ruin baseball. The Rangers can shove it. The unwritten rules of baseball can shove it. The times are changing. Like Bob Dylan said, time to get with the new wave. We need to support these new players and how they play this game. It really is exciting and fun. 
people need to stop having this get off my lawn type mentality about baseball and get with the times. So we'll leave it at that. It's pretty popular opinion between most fans. I mean, obviously people have their own opinions on that. I've seen people who think that it was wrong that he did that, but we're not excited about it. Another thing that we're not excited about is another incident that happened in baseball this past week. Broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds, Tom Brenneman, used to be the former broadcaster for the Arizona Diamondbacks in my youth, so I used to watch and listen to him growing up, had a little bit of an incident in the first game of a doubleheader. Koenig, do you want to kind of clue the people in on the situation? Yeah, so we won't go into the specifics, although if you want to know exactly what was said, you can just hop on YouTube and type Tom Brenneman homophobic slur. But basically, there was a hot mic that picked up as they were coming back from break, and Brenneman lets this extremely offensive and derogatory statement fly that was picked up on the air. And like I said, if, if you want to know exactly what it was, go ahead and go to YouTube and you can find that for yourself. We're not going to repeat it. We're pretty vulgar on our platform, but we're not going to cross that line. Within three seconds of him dropping this word, he went right into the broadcast. Like, it didn't even phase him. He was so emphatic about it, too. So it wasn't like it was like a jokingly manner that he was just messing around with whoever was in the broadcast booth with him. Like what he said had some oomph behind it and it had some like hate behind it. It was not a pleasing phrase, but I want to give a little bit more details on this because, again, baseball's dumpster fire is just let's throw some pallets on there. Let's throw some gasoline what else just goes up like crazy? Let's just throw it all on there because it's burning, man. It's burn, baby, burn. You know, a lot of people think all these forest fires everywhere in California are started from campers and stuff. It's not. It's from Major League Baseball. Like somehow, <laughs> some way, baseball has started all this. So we, we need to focus our attention on this. He makes this comment in the first game of a doubleheader. And after saying this, it blows up on social media. So people are tweeting about it like crazy. The Reds... You have to think that they knew about this. They proceed to put him in the broadcast booth for the second game of the doubleheader. So he calls the whole rest of the game of the first game and then has, you have to assume, like an hour break between games and then goes all the way through to the fifth inning of the second game and then decides to issue an on-screen apology for what he had said. So... It takes him about two and a half to three hours from the moment that he said that to issue this apology. The fact that he was even in the broadcast booth for the second game blows my mind. I don't know what the Reds were thinking, but he hops on and his apology starts with him saying the first thing he says, I pride myself on being a man of faith, which has probably the worst thing that you can lead off with because he went after it was a derogatory slur toward the gay community. And the first thing he leads off with is I pride myself on being a man of faith. And we're not going to get into the weeds of this, but religion in general hasn't been so kind to the gay community. And you don't need me to tell you that. So the fact that he's leading off with that kind of leads me to believe like, Oh yeah. Like I am used to like this kind of talk and like, this is just kind of what I believe. Not good. He leads off by saying that. So it's like, okay, that's kind of odd that you would say that first and foremost. Then he proceeds 
to call some of the baseball game. So instead of having this sincere apology for a minute, a minute and a half directly with the camera, directly with the audience, and then after the fact, he can make up for whatever happened on the field, he decides to call a home run and then announce the score. Then he comes back on for his apology and says, he's like, I don't even know if I'm going to put this headset on again. Then he starts going into his apology. So you think, okay, this guy's going to apologize to the gay community and everybody who was offended by this first, right? No, absolutely not. This guy comes out and the first people he says an apology to are the, the people who sign his paychecks. So wow. again, his first apology is, I want to apologize first to the people who signed my paycheck, meaning, oh, like it would really be great if you didn't fire me seeing that I dropped this huge atomic bomb on everybody. So far, Koenig, what are your reactions to this apology? And by the way, it, it gets worse. So far, the first thing that comes to mind is pathetic. You do something that is that openly offensive. We do live in a times where these more progressive ideas, and I mean, I, I don't even necessarily think equality is a progressive idea, but like the fact that LGBTQ rights are more in the spotlight these days, and you say something that is that derogatory targeted at that specific group, and then you have an opportunity to specifically say that you're apologizing to those folks in particular who are the target of your slander, and no, you didn't say that. It's, oh, I'm sorry to my boss, and I'm sorry to the guys who cut me a check. Dude, you're a loser for saying that. You're a loser. So then he goes from apologizing to the people who signed his paycheck to, I then want to apologize to the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. And then I want to apologize to Fox Sports Ohio. Okay. Again, like, these aren't the people that you directly offended. Then he goes on to apologize to the people I work with. And finally, he says, for anybody I've offended here tonight, I'd also like to apologize uh, again <laughs> like not, it's an afterthought not, yeah and not even saying to the gay community out there who this term has affected for so long he couldn't even do the decency of acknowledging like i'm sorry i messed up and i said this and it's my mistake i own it before he's like let me just go check all the boxes for my personal interest let me check the box for the people who pay me the reds maybe they'll keep me on on the red staff fox sports ohio maybe they'll still get me on nfl games on sundays oh and the people i work with in case i get fired from here so maybe i can get a job somewhere else and oh and by the way you know for anybody else out there who i've offended i'm sorry too your thoughts koenig it's what i interjected just a moment ago you're apologizing to the people who were offended as an afterthought you're not sorry for what you said. You're sorry that your words are a reflection of the people that you work with and who you work for. And the fact that you're saying this is now a reflection on the people who hired you. You're a shithead, and the people that hired you are now a reflection of all of these things that you said. So you're not necessarily saying you're sorry for what you mentioned during the broadcast. You're sorry that all of these other people got lumped in with you. And I think that's the problem. You had an opportunity to really make amends and really kind of smooth things over as much as you possibly could. And you totally missed the boat on this. You totally missed your opportunity to set the record straight. And if anything, people think less of you now. 
And then, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then so he makes his apologies and then he says to the camera, this is not who I am and never have been. Dude, you, we just heard you say this comment not even a couple hours ago with the animosity that you said this. How can you sit here and say this to us? Oh, this isn't who I am and never have been. You just were a couple hours ago. Oh, my. I've never seen uh, an apology go so horribly wrong. Not that it's a simple apology. I understand he's freaking out. I'm sure he's wondering, oh, gosh, like, what am I going to do now? I'm probably going to get fired. This and that. There's probably a million things running through his head. But you think the team would have like a publicist that would like write him up an apology and say, hey, just read this, dude, and we'll see where this goes from here. But just completely bombed everything about the apology and apologized to completely the wrong. I mean, I guess he apologized to people he thought were important, but he didn't apologize to the people who he offended, which makes it. I think even worse, it's like, dude, you don't even know what you're apologizing for. You don't even know who you're apologizing to. Like you, oh man, like, dude, you are, you work in media. You're a broadcaster. You're the voice for thousands and millions of fans out there. And you don't know, like, oh, I just can't believe it. Yeah. Us in particular, you talk about a job in broadcasting. Any Joe Schmo would kill to have the luxury of having a job like that. You know, you get paid to go to baseball games and give play by play. And all you have to do is not be a total asshole, and you can't even manage to do that. And if there's any question about whether your status and your career was in jeopardy after you said the derogatory statement, that question is no more with your apology. You're going to be fired. There's no doubt about it. Things take time to go into works and whatnot. This happened just a couple days ago. The higher-ups have to approve things and stuff like that. The backlash on Twitter and social media in general is terrible and i mean credit to the reds the players are really speaking out against this and they are doing a good job at supporting they're apologizing for brenneman i'm just so curious because he isn't fired from the reds yet i believe fox sports let him go so he's not going to be doing any fox sports nfl primarily i'm hoping that the reason that he hasn't been fired yet is they're trying to find a replacement as quickly as possible and then when they do and they have a new contract signed they can let him go because right now he's on suspension which who knows if and when or ever he'll come back i don't think he will i'm hoping the reds are going to do the right thing and not let this guy back i was telling koenig prior this week on this he used to be the broadcaster for the diamondbacks and i haven't been a big diamondbacks fan my whole life but i have grown up in phoenix And I like watching baseball, so I'd watch a lot of Diamondback games just to watch the sport. And Tom Brenneman was the TV guy. He would do the calls, and I thought he was great. And I loved tuning in. I thought he was really awesome. He left to go to Cincinnati to take over the job for his dad, which kind of bummed me out. So to see something like this is just glass-shattering, man. It's, It's heavy. It's really, really heavy. And it's not like this was just like a slip of the tongue. And again, if you haven't heard it yet, go on YouTube. It's all over YouTube. There was an emphasis behind this. It wasn't like, oh, it just slipped out casually, just locker room chat with the guys. It was, no, this was hard and very derogatory, very, very offensive. Cincinnati Reds, do the right thing. One last point on that matter. The thing that you touched on at the very, very beginning is he drops this comment seconds before he picks back up on the broadcast. Like, dude, you know that there's a room full of microphones in your area. And you know that there's a chance that one of them gets turned on prematurely. 
and it picks up whatever you're saying. Or maybe you think that you hit the mute button and you didn't hit the mute button. Like you're at your job, dude. I understand that you probably have a close relationship with people in the broadcast booth and you want to say and do whatever you want when the mic's not rolling. But come on, man. Come on. I've known Corbin for 12 years and we'll say stuff behind closed doors that, you know, obviously we wouldn't say in public. But if we were ever working in the same job, if Corbin and I were working on the same broadcast team, for example, we wouldn't say a fraction of the shit that we say privately to each other as friends. That's one thing. When you're at work and you're at your place of business, you have to act like a professional. Tom Brenneman, you failed to act as a professional. So shame on you. If I was a Major League Baseball TV broadcaster, I'd be an Eagle Scout, man. I'd be so terrified to do anything that would ruin that chance of my dream. So, you know what? Fuck him. He's going to get fired. You know what? Give it to somebody who deserves it. There's there's no room for that these days. It's 2020. Get with the times, dude. You can't say things like that these days. To hell with him. Yeah. You know, he's hopefully he's gone. Hopefully next week we can report that he's been fired. But we'll get away from baseball. Again, it's just I want to start calling it the dumpster fire section. I, I don't <laughs> even want to acknowledge it as Major League Baseball. I just want to say, okay, this week on the dumpster fire, we've got this. Because every week it's just a new stick of dynamite blows up. And then you go, oh, that ground over there just blew up. Let me go over here. Oh, this ground over here blew up. Let me go. It's just everywhere you look are just landmines. And it's just a freaking mess. It kind of makes you wonder where Rob Manfred is in all this. It's like, I realize you don't want to micromanage, you know, your organizations and whatnot. But it's like, dude, you have players that represent the league who are making comments like this and whatnot. And all of the issues that we've discussed already in the past, you know, with the brawling and the Astros and everything like that. And Rob Manfred's just kind of sitting in his office like, "Mm, as long as I'm getting paid, you know, everything's fine. So, uh, it's a mess. Burn, baby, burn. Yeah. Just Just go burn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to get away from that real quick because I'm just sick of ranting about Major League Baseball. Let's go ahead and take a, a left turn here into the NHL. So we have pretty much all of the NHL first round series wrapped up. There's only one series that is still currently going on. They're actually playing tonight. Koenig, do you want to kind of give a little bit of a rundown for the teams that are through to the second round right now and kind of what the second round matchups look like? In the Eastern Conference, the Bruins, Lightning, Islanders of all teams, the Islanders upset the Capitals, and the Flyers have advanced as of a few minutes ago. The Flyers advanced beating the Canadiens in six games. Those four teams have advanced to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Bruins will be facing the Tampa Bay Lightning. That series terrifies me. And (laughs) the uh, Flyers will be playing the Islanders. So, you know, good game, Flyers. You got a really nice matchup for you in the quarterfinals. And then you have in the Western Conference, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Dallas Stars have advanced to the second round. And the Canucks and the Blue series has still been undecided. That series is currently 3-2 to two in favor of the Vancouver Canucks. The Blues are on the ropes tonight. They will be throwing Jordan Bennington out to try to save their season. Who knows? Honestly, I think they should have stuck with Jake Allen, but who do I know? <laughs> and so in that second round, it'll be the Vegas Golden Knights playing the winner of the Canucks Blue series. And then the Avalanche will be playing the Stars. Corbin, what are your thoughts so far on the Stanley Cup playoffs? Nothing too, too crazy. The Islanders taking out the Capitals was a little bit of a surprise. The Islanders played lights out. They looked really, really good in that series. There hasn't been a whole lot of big surprises, especially in the West. One, two, and three have gotten through really with not a whole lot of pushback. 
Even the four and the five is it's three, two series right now. So that could go either way. I, I have been impressed with the Boston Bruins. They had looked really, really crappy going through their playing games for their seating. And there was a lot of questions with, are they going to get this together? Or are they just going to flame out? And that's going to be that. So I've been impressed with the Bruins. I know they're a four seed, but I mean, they're the, probably the best four seed ever <laughs> based on the regular season. The first president's trophy four seed ever, actually. <laughs> Yeah. As far as like upsets go, there really hasn't been a whole lot. It's been kind of by the book, but the better teams have won. Clearly, these teams that are the higher seeds are the better teams, and they showed it throughout the first round. Yeah, I was surprised with the Islanders. Credit to the Islanders. They made chump change out of the Capitals. But the Capitals are a team I had a lot of question marks in the round-robin format. They never really got it going and the good teams have found a way to kind of turn it around in this first round of the playoffs the capitals just never really got going you were just kind of waiting for them to kind of find their legs and find their game and they just were never able to turn it on and you know it's bad when a team like the islanders are making you look bad and no disrespect to the islanders they played a phenomenal series but i mean come on dude the islanders should not have won that series against the capitals they're a much better team the capitals are and unfortunate for them they could get the job done i don't know that i would want to play the islanders right now yes maybe on paper the capitals are a better team but the islanders just kind of steamrolled them and i would not want to play the islanders right now there was a little bit of news that kind of came out of the bubble there so kind of going back to the boston bruins there they're starting goalie had a little bit of a situation. Koenig, you're the big Bruins fan here on the program. You want to go ahead and bonus up on the situation? So as we mentioned on last week's show, Tuka Rask was making a few comments after the Bruins game two loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. He was saying things about how the game doesn't feel like the playoffs, and he wasn't too worried about results. He just kind of wanted to go out and play the game, which I was like, are you are you serious? <laughs> you're not worried about results in the playoffs? Okay. But it came out a few short hours before Game 3. Tuca left the team to be with his family and newborn child. It was later announced later in the week that Tuca had an unknown medical emergency that he needed to tend to with his family. Obviously, we hope everything is okay with his family and his newborn child and, and his wife and everything. But it does beg the question that if Tuca wanted to return later on in the playoffs, would the Bruins be open to him returning to the bubble? I really hope, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I only know what is being told, that there was a family emergency. It does sound peculiar that he's making these comments, kind of more or less saying like, ah, yeah, like we're playing poor and it just doesn't feel right. Kind of like, oh, if we get bounced, like it's going to be because of this whole restart formula, not because of me or whatnot. And then pretty much right soon after those comments, he leaves the bubble and he leaves the team. So I really, really hope if that is true with his family situation, that that gets taken care of and everything's fine there. I really, really hope for that. But I really, really hope that we don't get some story down the line that says, oh, yeah, actually, he just didn't want to be there. So he peaced out and, and left the team. The optics are terrible. You're coming off of a game where you didn't play well. And I mean, Tuca, to be fair, did not play fantastic in the round robin. And he didn't play very well in the first two games of the series against the Hurricanes either. So you're coming out, you're making these comments, you're not really into it, you're not really worried about results, you're kind of just there, you're just showing up, kind of collecting a paycheck, which is generally, you know, what he said. And my stance on this as a Bruins fan, and this might get viewed in a negative way by other Bruins fans, I don't want to see Tuca back. 
Are the Bruins better with him? Yeah, they probably are. But I don't think we can continue to yank Yaro Halak around. I think as he gets more settled in the playoffs, he's going to improve. He's let in a couple soft goals against the Hurricanes. He had an issue in Game 3 handling the puck that led to an open net opportunity. And he let in a real couple soft chances in Games 4 and 5. But as Halak gets more game time, he's going to improve over time. He's going to get more comfortable in that role. And as the guys start playing better in front of him, I don't think the defensemen have played very well yet. But I'd go with the hot hand and someone who is settled into playoff hockey and someone who, you know, is in the flow of the postseason. Tuca has been gone for a week already. Who knows how long it'll be before he comes back. How long is it going to take before Tuca is back in postseason form? If you take several weeks off away from postseason hockey and away from the team, I mean, you're talking about a seven-game series. How many of those seven games is it going to take before you're comfortable again in the net? Is it going to take two games, three games? I can't afford to take the risk on somebody in just kind of easing them back into the playoffs. Dude, we're in the middle of a Stanley Cup playoff run, and our goal is to win a cup here. We can't afford to just baby you back into this. If you're gone, you're gone. We'll see you next season, buddy. The way that I see it is Tuka's already made the decision for the coaching staff if he comes back. Like, look, hey, man, you decided to leave, which is your personal business. But when you left, you left the starting job. That's that's not yours anymore. You know what? Next season when we start back up, yeah, you're going to probably be the starter again. Like, there's not going to be any question there. But you left the team. You're out of form. Like you said, you haven't been playing. You haven't been practicing. We're going with Halak. If there is an incident where Halak gets hurt or he plays so atrocious that we need to make a change, then we'll look to make a change. But don't come back with the expectation that you're going to be the starting goalie, especially when you had those comments that kind of made it seem like you weren't all checked in when you were playing in these playoffs. So I think it's really that simple for the coaching staff to just say, look, dude, you made this decision. So you made your bed. You need to sleep in it. I totally agree. Halak, he looked okay at times in the Hurricane series. He did, like I said, let in a few soft goals that he normally should have had. I think if you talk to Yarrow afterwards, he'll be the first one to tell you he should have had them. A couple glove saves that he just couldn't quite get. But like I said, I think he's going to improve as time goes on. I do think the Bruins are going to be fine. They really got back to their game. They played a Bruins style of hockey late in that Hurricane series. That was fantastic to see. Yarrow Halak, hey, you know what? Love him or hate him, he's 3-0, so the Bruins are going to continue to ride that hot hand, and hopefully, from a Bruins perspective, that's going to be a very, very tough matchup against the Lightning, but it should be a lot of fun. Moving right along, so we kind of wanted to touch just a teensy bit on the NBA. We don't have any segment this week on the NBA. Reason being is the first round series right now are still kind of going through right now. So a lot of teams have only played a couple games. So we don't want to speculate or report on anything until the first round is over. There hasn't been that big of news as far as stuff off the court in the NBA this past week. So we'll definitely have a lot more on the NBA coming up next week's episode. So if you are looking for some NBA action, though, I can tease you and say that this week's segment of The Unknown is going to be featuring NBA. So I did sneak it in there for you. So don't be too hurt. But we do want to move ahead into our football segment, the mighty, mighty football segment. Everybody loves football. So we got to talk about it. Last week, actually, we made reference to teams having games played and would they let fans in? Well, we've got a little bit of insight from a big, big NFL team. Enig, can you clue us in? 
So this is in regard to the Kansas City Chiefs, and we mentioned this early in the week on our Twitter account, at Slightly Sideway. If you aren't already following us, give us a follow. You know, it's free. It supports the channel. We appreciate it. But Arrowhead Stadium holds 76,416 people, and the Chiefs have announced that of those 76-plus thousand fans, they're going to allow 20% into their stadium for all of their home games in 2020, which indicates we did the math for you, as always. We try to make the thinking as little as possible on this channel, so we do the math for you guys. 17,000 fans in Arrowhead every single game this season. And if you don't think that fans are going to be interacting during the game, if you don't think that they're going to be tailgating, uh, you're dead wrong, because that's absolutely going to happen. I don't feel like it's a good mood for the league. I don't feel like it's a good move for the Chiefs. I certainly don't think it's going to improve our situation regarding the pandemic. But I do kind of see this as a starting point for other NFL teams who haven't made the jump, who haven't announced their plans for fans. I do think that other teams will kind of follow suit here and kind of mimic the policies that the Chiefs have put in place. Corbin, what are your thoughts on it? For sure. I think the Chiefs are the bulldozer. They busted down the door. There's going to be a lot more teams that are going to announce similar situations. And not even in the NFL. There'll be college programs that will be like, oh, well, look, like the Super Bowl champions are saying that this is okay. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've already kind of given our opinion on this matter. If if you want to get those opinions, listen to our previous episodes. It's interesting because there are teams like the Raiders who have said that they're not going to have fans, but now there's teams that saying that they are going to have fans. We'll have more on that as it develops. We'll kind of see who follows suit, if anybody, or maybe the Chiefs change their mind on the matter. We'll see how that goes. But... The feature story that we have this week is actually coming out of college football. And this is an individual who I've never been a fan of. And I'm especially not a fan of them now after their ridiculous comments. We're talking, of course, of the great Lane Kiffin. For those of you who don't know who Lane Kiffin is, he's a pretty controversial figure in college football. He's known for the head coach of Tennessee Volunteers, and he failed miserably there. And then he somehow got a job with the USC Trojans and failed miserably there. And somehow got another job at a lesser Florida Atlantic. I'm not going to knock Florida Atlantic because I'm not in the business of doing that. He did have some quick success at Florida Atlantic. Not prolonged. It was a very quick success to the point where he got a job at Ole Miss, another SEC school. So this guy has been given three premier jobs in college football without really proving anything. And this bozo comes out and says to the media that for all these conferences that are being shut down for the fall season, i.e. the Big Ten and the Pac-12, that those players should be able to transfer schools without penalty. So essentially, hey, you stellar quarterback from the Pac-12, Jaden Daniels, Arizona State quarterback, you can't play this year. Why don't you just come over to Ole Miss and just transfer and play here and you'll be good. No penalty. Just come on over. Does this make any sense whatsoever? I mean, it makes sense if you're Lane Kiffin and (laughs) who knows what's going on in his mind. But I mean, this is crazy. (laughs) Obviously, it sounds like Lane Kiffin is having a difficult time recruiting in the sec he's not having very much success trying to pull players away from alabama and lsu and georgia and all those types and so he's telling all of these schools who've gotten shut down with disgruntled players who still want to play like hey 
why don't you just come over here to Ole Miss and everything like that? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's the craziest thing. We got a lot of dopes on this episode. We talk about Brenneman. He's a dope. Jace Tangler's a dope. Chris Woodward's a dope. And just add Lane Kiffin to the list. This guy's a total moron. I just don't understand this at all. I mean, I understand it from his perspective. He's trying to pull talent into his program. That way they can try to be competitive in the SEC. But I mean, everybody knows Ole Miss is not going to be competitive in that league. Corbin, where are you at with this? Yeah, that's exactly it. I understand it's a personal comment because it's pertaining specifically to his situation. He just got the job at Ole Miss, a program that has struggled mightily the last five, six, seven years in the SEC. They always get trounced by the top dogs. He's coming into a situation, I'm sure, when he got the job, players transferred out because they weren't recruited by him. It's really tough when you first get into a program to start recruiting well right away. You usually kind of have to show somewhat of a blueprint of success, usually a season or two to kind of get those recruits. So here's Lane Kiffin hatching this brilliant idea. Oh, you know, it would be really great. You know, instead of me struggling to recruit for potential, you know, two, three years and potentially get fired because I'm not going to have the players to compete in the SEC. I think I should go out there and say, hey, let's just go pilfer all the good players from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because they can't play. But we're going to kind of spin it off like, oh, we're doing what's best for the player. Fuck you, dude. You are doing what's best for you. All you're trying to do is to stock up on talent as quickly as you can so that way you don't get fired any sooner than you should. And... It shows such a disrespect for those conferences. You need to respect the fact that these conferences are trying to do things the safe way. They're trying to do things the way that they think is right. If you don't agree with that, that's your own, that's your opinion. That's fine. But don't stick your spoon in somebody else's dinner and try to take from it. Like, get out of here, you moron. Yeah, Kiffin's a total slime ball. And Corbin raised a great point. It's that. You need to respect what these conferences are deciding to do and what these players are deciding to do. You don't necessarily have to agree with it. You don't necessarily have to think that these conferences are making the right decision, but these conferences are making a decision that they think is best for their players. They don't want you to come in and start cherry picking all of the players off of their teams. That's absolutely ridiculous. If the SEC wants to play football this year, more power to you guys. I really hope everything works out for you. I hope everything is fine. I have my doubts, but... Obviously, I don't wish anything terrible on anybody, but the fact that you're going to just try to sit and have your picking and choosing of players who have already committed to other universities, that's pretty slimy, dude. Yeah, not to mention it would absolutely devastate those schools and those conferences. I mean, if that were allowed and say players were doing that, to recover from that is that's not just like, oh, well, we're just going to have to come back with a good recruiting class and we'll be fine. Like, no, like that's a two, three year blueprint and training and progression that you've put time and effort into so for him to come in and just say oh yeah we're just gonna take all the cream and leave all the fat for (laughs) you know the pac-12 to kind of deal with screw you dude like you're a clown i hope you get fired as soon as possible you probably will i give you two years top you'll probably go you'll probably go like two and nine in your first season and then three and eight in your next season you'll get fired i'll just be waiting for it but that's more or less what we have coming out of college football here this week. We've had this show that's had a bunch of ranting, and I hope people have been entertained because we've been both not so happy. But you know what? Sometimes you got to get angry because shit's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously we're going to be leading into everybody's favorite topic. We're going to be going into the unknown, Ooh. the unknown, the unknown, the unknown. 
So it is my turn this week to take the reins of the unknown. So Kane again has no clue what I'm going to ask him here or what situation I'm going to put him in. I mentioned previously that we didn't really have much of an NBA segment this week. And to kind of make up for that a little bit, I wanted to go ahead and get some NBA tied into the unknown. So what we have here is I have a list of 10 players who are currently in the NBA. Again, 10 players in the NBA. Koenig is going to need to tell me which team that these players currently play for. Oh, Christ. So I'm going to call this the where are they now segment. They are well-known players. If you, if you follow basketball to a slight extent, you should know almost all of these players. Koenig for sure should know who all these players are. So I got 10 players. All he has to do is tell me what team this player currently plays for. And I will admit when I was doing this, I looked at every single NBA roster because I wanted to find like former big names that, you know, are, were famous on different teams, but now find themselves on other teams. So I think this is difficult. I'm going to go ahead and put a wager here. If he can get five or more, well, pretty much if you just get five, I will drink a whole beer on the spot as my bet. And then if you get four or less, then you have to either take a shot or finish a whole beer on your end. So I just opened a new beer. You, you might have heard that. I got a Montucky in the glass now. So I'll go ahead and put that to the side because I have a feeling I'm going to be drinking this. <laughs> and uh, I'll preface this with I follow the NBA casually. I'd say out of all the professional sports, it's what I know the least about. Just because I think basketball is just kind of hard to watch at times with all the fouls. I'll give it my best shot here, and if nothing else, I'll have this fantastic beer waiting for me if I, if I <laughs> don't succeed. There you go. All right, well, you got the right attitude, so he's rearing to go. People at home are rearing to go. Let's go ahead and jump right into this here. So I have a little bit of a bio on each player, too. I really, I really went extensive this week. Wow, so. I'm impressed. Yeah, you know, really putting in the man hours. <laughs> so the first player, Koenig, are you ready? Oh, yeah, we're ready. So this 40-year-old player, that's 4-0, is a three-time six-man-of-the-year award winner, and he is currently on his ninth team. We are, of course, talking about a Mr. Jamal Crawford. What team does Jamal Crawford currently play for? Again, he is on his ninth team in his career, which is pretty crazy. I know what team he played for a couple of years ago. I don't think he plays there anymore. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Is the Atlanta Hawks that's your final answer? Yeah. That is incorrect. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> he currently plays for the Brooklyn Nets. The oh. Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Who would have known? Who would have known, right? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready for your player number two? Go ahead. Okay. So this is a former top 10 pick, and he used to be an anchor in the middle of the paint for the Detroit Pistons until this year, 2020. We're, of course, talking about Andre Drummond. Ah, I knew it. What team does Andre Drummond currently play for? Again, he was an anchor and a staple for the Pistons for years until this year. What team does he currently play for? I'm going to go ahead and start the wrong X's on this one. <laughs> Thanks. No, just kidding. 
Not really. I already, I already have him yeah, on there. <laughs> I know. I want to say he's in the Western Conference now. I'll give you a hint. He's not in the Western Conference. <laughs> Perfect. So that, that eliminates half your teams, at least. And you know he's not on the Pistons. So you have more than a half. Or, well, not really. I mean, you still got to guess who it is. <laughs> the, math, the math is hard. But still, you've you, more than half the teams are eliminated. I'll give you an, another hint on top of that. This team, geographically, is not too far away from Detroit. It's relatively close. The Timberwolves? Is that your final answer? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. We were looking for the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland oh, Cavaliers is where Andre Drummond is currently located. So not the hottest start. Right now, uh, you're over 2 you got to get five of the next eight. Oh. Okay, I'm going to see if I can throw you one that I think might be a little easier. Okay, I think you can get this one. This is a three-point specialist, and he is the pride of the Creighton Blue Jays. What team does Kyle Korver currently play for? I know the last I knew Korver was on the Hawks, but I think he has switched teams since then. I'll give you a hint. Would you like a hint? Sure. This team is currently a playoff team in the East. Okay. So you know it's not the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll say the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic? Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh, a swing and a miss. Strike three. He currently plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. Ooh. Okay. So since you're failing miserably, I'm going to go ahead and adapt this scenario. If you can get three correct, I will drink. You'll be safe. So you got to get three of the next seven left. Yeah, okay. So is that fair? That's fair. I will admit, when I was making this, I thought it was hard. And as I'm asking these questions, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty hard. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'll, I'll be lucky if I get one. Okay, here's one that I, if you can just, I, I think if you logic this one out, you'll get this one. Okay. Okay. So this player is a former number one overall pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He never played for the Cleveland Cavaliers, though. He got traded. He is the pride of Canada. We're, of course, talking about a Mr. Andrew Wiggins. What team does Andrew Wiggins currently play for? I know he went to the Timberwolves once upon a time. I don't think he's there anymore, though. So that is correct. He, he was traded to the Timberwolves. He was part of the Kevin Love trade at the time. Right. So, oh, so, by the so he plays for the Cavaliers. Well, no. So let me rephrase that. He was drafted by the Cavaliers, and then he was traded to Minnesota. Oh, for, for Kevin Love. And, yeah, 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 and Kevin, Kevin Love went to the Cavaliers, right. and he went to Minnesota. I can just tell you now that he's never played for the Cavaliers, so you can eliminate that. Perfect. I'll stick with the Timberwolves. Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. He was actually part of the trade for D'Angelo Russell. He's playing for the Golden State Warriors currently. The Golden State Warriors. That's news to me. Okay. Oh, man. This is rough. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm asking you hockey questions next week. <laughs> i got to pull up the roster for hockey and get ready to go. Yeah. Oh, holy. Well, okay, here's the thing is like, you know who all these players are, though. These aren't like Joe Schmoes who yeah. are coming out of the D League. Like, these are guys who have had careers, who've been big. Well, and most of these guys, I know where they've been. 
the, yeah. the trick is where are they now and a lot of them have recently moved to different teams so i'm struggling with that so far i tried to throw a couple easy ones at you so you've got some thick weeds to go through here right again you need to get three and you've got six more to do it are you ready for your next question I'm not ready, but I'll uh, I'll proceed. <laughs> or not question your next player. There you go. So this sixth man extraordinaire in Swiss Army Knife was a former NBA Finals MVP with Golden State Warriors. We're, of course, talking about a Mr. Andre Iguodala. What team does Andre Iguodala currently play for? And I will give you a big hint and say that he plays for a playoff team in the East. I'll say the Toronto Raptors. Before you give that answer, would you like me to give you another hint? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. My hint to you is the Atlantic Ocean. That could be he's in the Atlantic Division. I mean, he could be. I'm not too well versed on the divisions in basketball and the Eastern Conference, at least. And I'm actually, I actually want you to get a couple right for suspense. I don't want you to go over ten. <laughs> I might go. I might go over ten. Need an answer. I'm gonna go with the magic. I know it's wrong, but I'll go with it. So I said Atlantic Ocean. And you're gonna go with a team that's landlocked in the Orlando Magic. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, but that's wrong. <laughs> so this isn't exactly the easiest thing after four beers on a one-hour show. <laughs> Okay, so as far as the Atlantic Ocean goes, what team can you think of that would be on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean? Okay, well, this is just brutal. I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) The answer is the Miami Heat. He plays for the Miami Heat. Is that the state, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I was hoping that when I made fun of you for picking a landlocked city, that you would have been like, oh, well, Miami's right there. Miami. So, yikes. Okay, so you're 0 for 5. I'm going to be an even bigger sport and say, if you can get two of these next five, two of the next five, I will own up on the bet. I fully I intend on drinking this entire beer. I'm pretty thirsty, so. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. Are you ready for your next player? Yeah, go ahead. Former number one overall pick. Also a rookie of the year and a league MVP, most famous for his time with the Bulls. Of course, this is a Mr. Derek Rose. What team does Derek Rose currently play for? I'll give you a hint. Playing for this team, you would think that he has a lot of automobiles. My gut instinct was the Pistons. The Detroit Pistons? Is that what your answer is? Or you want to still think it through? I don't know why, but the Pistons was the first thing that I thought of. So I'll go with Pistons. All right, final answer. Yeah. That is correct. He does play for the Detroit Pistons. Man, I had to freaking put you right in front of that. <laughs> I mean, but you got it. I mean, to be fair, I was thinking Pistons before I got the hint. And then I was like, okay, well, yeah, it's Detroit. A likely story, but oh, whatever, you know, whatever, I'm fine. <laughs> Okay, so you've got one right. So you just got to get one more and you will win this bet. So you just got to get one of four. That's not bad, right? You can do this. Oh, yeah. We got this. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. So 
We're going to go ahead and go with, he's a two-time NCAA basketball national champion. He's a former NBA Defensive Player of the Year, known as the Grunt of Chicago. We're talking about uh, Mr. Joakim Noah. What team does Joakim Noah currently play for? Well, I actually just ran into this the other day playing 2K. And, oh, no! <laughs> and, I, and I don't remember. But oh! I, I do remember being absolutely blown away. I, I had no idea that he played for this team. But I'm going to say the Clippers. Final answer? Yes, it is. Son of a bitch, that's right. It is the Clippers. Oh. All right, well... So you've won on the bet that I changed several times, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what these touched off are. We're, we're, we're still going to finish this up, though, because you still have three on the board here. Yeah. So Hey, maybe I'll we'll get go. four. You never know. Hey, you can still get five, technically, and that yeah. would be the original bet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. This NBA veteran and former NBA champion is on his ninth team. We're talking about a Mr. Trevor Ariza. What oh. team does Trevor Ariza currently play for? Every single time I hear Trevor Ariza, I think the Houston Rockets. And then I think the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, I, I really don't know. I can give you a hint that he doesn't play for either of those teams. Yeah, I, I figured that. And the team that he had the most success on was the Lakers when he won his championship. And I think it was 2009. That's fair. I'll give you a hint. This is also a playoff team in the West. These are tough, man. When I looked these up, I was like, hey, what? Yeah, these are pretty brutal. I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets. Final answer? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. We're looking for the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers. Does he actually play? Uh, Probably not, but okay. he's on the roster. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> At least he was as of today, so he's... <laughs> Yeah. You, go to their, you go to their website, he's on there. There you go. Two more, two more. Here we go. I feel like we got to make this saucy somehow, some way, because, you know, you've kind of already won your bet. I mean, what, I'm, I'm going to drink this entire beer anyways. Okay, do you want to go double or nothing on these next two? I'll give you one hint for each team, and if you can get one of the two, you'll either have to do two drinks or I'll do two drinks. Okay. Okay. So your next player, he is a former number two overall pick. He was actually drafted right behind Andrew Wiggins. He was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. He's actually on his fifth team now in the last six years. We're talking, of course, about a Mr. Jabari Parker. Oh, my former, God. Former Dookie Jabari Parker. I'm going to say the Pacers. Well, did you want your hints real quick? <laughs> no. You don't want a hint? Nope, I'm going. The, the Pacers. You're confident? Uh, no. <laughs> and you're sure that you don't want... I told you I was going to give you a hint for each one. I mean, you can tell me the hint, but I'm, it's probably not going to change my mind. Okay, well, he plays in the Western Conference. <laughs> All right, so I, I think I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that changed your mind? Yeah. <laughs> Barry Parker, damn. I'll give you... Oh, jeez. Okay. Don't give it away for free. I mean... He plays for a team that's west of Denver, Colorado. He plays for a team that is west of Denver, Colorado. 
We'll say the Golden State Warriors. Is that your final answer? It is. Oh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. You were pretty close geographically. Sacramento. It was Sacramento Kings. God he plays for the Sacramento Kings. All right. Ooh, baby. So here we go. Last one. So again, if you get this right, I'll do two drinks. And like you said, you'll still enjoy your, your drink over there. If yeah. you get it wrong, you have to put down two drinks and I'll still drink one over here. Agreed? Okay. Yeah. Wait, okay. So wait, wait, wait. When you say two drinks, is that two entire drinks? Yes. Oh, like well, two I, beers. Then I need one. Oh, but yeah, go ahead. Well, let's yeah, let's let's cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, but here we go. So, okay. So again, I will give you one hint. Okay, unless you absolutely know the answer and you're confident, which yeah. you thought you were last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is a top three overall pick by the 76ers in 2015. He's on his third team since entering the league from Duke. We're talking about your boy, a Mr. Jaleel Okafor. Oh, God. Jaleel Okafor. Can I have my hint? I'll give you a hint. Oh, man. Okay. I So I want to give you a hint that's nice, but it's not so... I think you're going to get the hint based on this, and I'll explain the hint if you don't know it afterwards. But your hint is baby cakes. Baby cakes is your hint. Oh, okay. I, I thought that was either going to give it away completely or not at all. Yeah. Not okay. At I'm all. gonna. I'm gonna give. Okay. I'm gonna give you a different hint then, because I, I thought you would kind of sniff the trail on that one a little bit, but you didn't. So let me get. Let me give you another hint here. Okay. Think of as far as U.S. history. Think of a really, really big financial agreement. Oh, okay. He plays for the Pelicans. Damn, that's correct. It is the New Orleans Pelicans. Damn. So my just to kind of clue people in. So I said baby cakes. The minor league team in New Orleans is the New Orleans Baby Cakes, and they have the creepiest mascot. It's this like <laughs> demented like Mardi Gras baby. Look it up. It's freaky. It'll freak you out. All right, so not bad. You know, we needed to put the training wheels on for that one, but that's okay. I still think it was pretty entertaining. Those very were hard, difficult. dude. Those were yeah. very hard. See, here's the thing, though, is that, like, those were the players that were just out of the spotlight. If I were to go up a tier, it would have been players that you would have known who they were. You yeah. know, it would have been it would have been too easy. Right. Maybe for, like, future reference, maybe I'll sprinkle in some layups just to kind of give you that confidence, but then give you some hard ones. But... Nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to drink these right now, actually. So before mine. we sign off. Yeah. Well, well, here, hold on. Don't worry about drinking yours because technically I'm the loser. Well, you need to en- you need to entertain the people here while I chug these down. Yeah. So Corbin's going into the Coleman cooler. The Coleman cooler. So if you guys don't already know, I literally bring in a little red Coleman cooler into my office with my drinks because I'm too much of a peasant to go get a, an actual mini fridge. So, I don't know. I feel like it adds character. I feel kind of, I don't know. It's just, just something about it that just feels right. You the, know? People that, the people just love that you just shuffle through your cooler of ice, and they just love that coming through the show every week. <laughs> can you actually hear that? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. you can? There you go. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, I've got... He's got two I, Heinekens. So, you can see the levels are topped off, right? Yeah, yeah they're full. Okay, here we go. Okay, this is going to be like doing a rumble. As I mentioned, rumble. Kane, do you want to like you want to verse the people on what a Royal Rumble drinking game yeah, is? So if you're looking for a good time, 
this is where it's at. So we might actually have something like this coming as like a knockoff episode to YouTube as Corbin puts down his first drink. The Royal Rumble is something that we do as a group. And if you're not familiar with pro wrestling, there's 30 entrants every year to the Royal Rumble. And so there's 30 numbers. And those numbers go into a pot. And if you're playing with four people, you decide ahead of time whether you're going to do four numbers or five numbers. We typically do four with like a fifth option. And you draw random numbers, and those numbers correspond to what entrant you have in the Royal Rumble. And so say you have number one, okay? Your objective is from the minute that your wrestler gets in the ring, you have to finish your entire drink before they're thrown over the top rope and eliminated. And so that's typically what we do on Friday nights. That's what we'll probably be doing <laughs> after the show tonight. The, the beauty of it is you have no idea how long that your participant is going to be in the match. So sometimes they're in there for 10, 12 minutes, and you've got plenty of time to finish your drink. But then there's other times where they're in there for 10 or 15 seconds. So you really just don't know. And usually the first couple of drinks are not too, too bad. Most people can get down a couple beers real quick. But then once you start getting into like the third the fourth, the fifth drink, then volume and space in your stomach starts to become a factor. And that's when it gets difficult. Yeah. So I just finished off uh, my beer. I felt as though I needed to kind of finish that off just because Corbin was such a good sport about it this week. But he's kind of working on number two right now. Well, they're so cold. Like, I like cold beer, but to like chug really, really cold beer is tough. It's very, very difficult. And he's drinking it out of a bottle, which is very difficult. <laughs> Yeah, not preferred. I definitely like to have a glass. I, I should have been smarter about this. I kind of wanted Koenig to fail, so I wouldn't have to do this. So I didn't really prepare <laughs> to chug a bunch of beer. And I didn't really intend on having two drinks in there. But you know what? For the viewers out there, I want to make sure we do something special for you. Yeah, we make sacrifices for the show, and we try to make it as enjoyable as possible. We're having a great time recording it, and we hope that you guys are having fun listening. That is all that we have for you on Episode 5. Mm -hmm. As Corbin mentioned earlier, we will have a full wrap-up of the NBA playoffs first round next week. We do have much more sports coming your way. I'm sure we'll have more MLB news. When do we never? We'll yeah, have... fire Tom Brenneman. Fire him. Get rid of him. Get rid of Jace Tingler while you're at it. That guy's a loser. But uh, we'll have much more news coming your way. We had a great time recording this show. If you're not following us on Twitter, follow us at Slightly Sideway. We'll post every single time that our episode goes live on Sunday on Spotify. We do have episodes coming to YouTube very soon. We are working on those. If you haven't already subscribed to us, subscribe over at Slightly Sideways Podcast at YouTube. Turn on that bell for all notifications so you get a notification every time that we post a new video to the channel. If you're not already following us on Facebook, you can follow our fan page at Slightly Sideways Podcast. If you have any ideas for future episodes of the show, you can email us at slightlysidewayspod at gmail.com. We've had a fantastic show. We've loved recording this for you. Say goodnight to the people, Corbin. To all my Swedes out there, good morning, and I hope you all have a great day. Good night, everyone. <laughs>